the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. This is the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. And now, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George. I'm a 30-year real estate agent who helps represent people who buy, sell, and build homes in the central Ohio area. Today, we're going to do a basic class, like a remedial class, if you want to call it that. I'm going to call it Home Buying 101. Uh, It's a Home Buying 101 question session, and a lot of the things we're going to talk about are questions that my first time home buyers sit down and ask because they just, uh, you know, are new to the process and just want some basics. And that's what we're going to talk to talk about today. I'm going to have Gina, my assistant, uh, go through some of the questions that uh, commonly come up and maybe I can explain them a little bit to kind of give you a basis for if you're thinking about buying a home, things you might be thinking about. So, before we get into that, um, I want to go into some real estate numbers. Our Columbus uh, Realtors Association just came out with our final year-end statistics for 2023. And needless to say, the real estate market in 2023 was, uh, I guess I'll call it flat. Um, some of these stats I'm going to give you are based on our Realtors uh, MLS system, our multiple listing system. And our multiple listing system here in um, the Columbus area consists of uh, all of Franklin County, Delaware, Fayette, Licking, Madison, Morrow, Pickaway, and Union counties. Um, so it's a big wide swath of an area, but it also includes parts of uh, Athens, Champaign County, Clark, Clinton, Fairfield, Knox, Logan, Marion, Muskingum, Perry, and Ross counties. So if that gives you an idea, uh, don't take the areas as much as the trends and things that you see because they are the same ones that we compare compare year over year. Here's some numbers for 2023 within our multiple listing systems. The number of sales, the actual amount of homes in 2023 probably comes to no surprise to a lot of you, but they decreased. Um, And that's not real common in our area. Typically we have slow and steady. Uh, This past year we had a decrease. We actually in our MLS system um, in 2023, we had 27,592 homes sold in 2023. And in 2022, that number was 31,000. So that's about a 13, 14% decrease in the number of sales in our MLS area. Um, as bad as that sounds, the national average, believe it or not, was down over 20%. So comparatively on the number of sales, we're doing a little bit better, but you can see what the trend is there. People basically didn't sell their home. They just stayed in their home. And uh, as I mentioned before, I think the number one reason is what I called in one of my segments um, previously, one of my episodes previously was the golden handcuffs. And the golden handcuffs in real estate are basically that uh, homeowners have a three, 4% interest rate. And the interest rates last year peaked at eight and a quarter percent. And nobody was willing to trade their three to 4% interest rate to an 8% interest rate, no matter how much they hated their house or the only people that tend to sell were the ones that had to had a life change, whether it was through age or whether it was through marriage, whether it was through job change or something like that. That was the biggest uh, change that we had. Um, If they did, if they did purchase a home, um, they actually paid more for the home. So you had smaller supply. So the prices went up. And in our area, the average was up about 5% or so. Um, the average sale price in the home in our multiple listing in 2022 was 330000 uh, 331000 a little bit more than that. Last year, the average price was $347,517. So 
at the end of the day, it's sales were down, but prices were up. Um, a couple of interesting things. We've got statistics coming out of our ears. That's what's good about the multiple listing system and things that you can't get from like Zillow and whatever. Uh, they give you a broad brush. Here, I tried to break it down. There's a lot of people who come down to, um, the, they pick areas by school district. And I just wanted to run a couple of interesting ones, I thought, uh, bring a couple of extremes. Believe it or not, the highest increase in sales price um, was in New Albany. And generally, when you see the highest percentage increase, it's going to be in a lower-priced area. But New Albany was actually the highest-priced area, and it also had the highest price jump. They were up 12.7%. <clears throat> the average price in New Albany, the average price of home in New Albany School District was 931000 Um we know what the houses are like in New Albany, but I don't know if anybody realized that that was the average in there. So we know that there's a lot higher priced, but there's not a whole lot lower priced in there. Uh, a couple of other ones that was I thought kind of interesting. Hilliard was up 9.5%. Uh, Westerville, Pickerington, Gahanna, they were up about an average of 4% or so. A um, couple of interesting ones that uh, I was I went to Southwestern City Schools, and they were up 7%, which is... Again, I think a lot of that because of the price point there is a little bit lower and they have a little bit more room to grow. But I think a lot of that 7% was in the Grove City area where there's a lot of activity going on there. Um, one of the other ones I wanted to mention, Whitehall. Uh, Whitehall actually went down a couple of percentage. The average price in 2022 was 196000 and, um, excuse me, yeah, 2022 was 196 and. Last year, the average price was about 192.5, and I am a big fan of Whitehall because they are one of the up-and-coming areas, and they're getting their stuff together there. Um, if you take a look at what's going on there, um, I think the school system is they're plowing money into that as well as the entertainment districts and things that they're going to be doing there. So, if you are looking to get in on a ground floor of something or something that's somewhat affordable compared to the rest of the areas. Uh, I'd take a serious look at Whitehall. You can get a lot for your money there still, and I think the growth coming there is going to be something that's going to be interesting. So I can give you tons and tons more statistics, but uh, I know how boring that can get. But uh, we will uh, let that go for now, and when we come back, I'm going to have Gina. Uh, she's going to start peppering me with some questions that a first-time home buyer, many home buyers might start asking me. Hey, when uh, you guys listen to this, one of the things I'd pr love for you to do is download us on, um, go to your podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it's Spotify, whether it's iTunes or Google Play or whatever. You can download each episode. You can subscribe. But if there's an episode like this one where you know somebody that's thinking about buying a home, you can download this ep episode separately and you can share it with them. And I think in the future, that might be a good idea to go back and look at some of our multiple episodes that we have, because there's always a subject out there. So when we come back, we'll start with Gina, and we'll, talk, we'll be right back. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Submit your questions for the show to Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. That's Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. 
Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Hey, remember to give us a like on Facebook. Uh, go to Facebook and look up the Paul George Group and give me a like and maybe spread that around a little bit. Um, and like this show, a lot of the questions that we get come from you guys. So if you get a chance, email me at paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. Um, you know, this is about uh, this show has come into being just because of buyers have been asking me questions and we thought we'd put it all in one place so with that gina first of all say hi hello so gina is my marketing assistant she's also a licensed real estate agent she does plenty of business on her own but um, she gets these same questions as well as i do but uh, she's going to ask them that uh, questions that we put together that people tend to ask us a little bit and just things that you might want to know whether it's with me or with anybody who's looking about looking to um, purchase a home here and what it entails. So let's start right off, Gina. What are some of the questions that you get and you and I get asked? All right. So let's start from the beginning. Um, at what stage of the process should somebody reach out to a realtor? Should they go to some open houses first? Should they, you know, talk to a realtor before they do anything? What's your thoughts? Uh, good question because of there's a lot of situations where it depends on your personality. There's a lot of people that are first time home buyers now that tend to be Gen Z buyers. And 20 years ago, 30 years ago when I started, it was a little different than what they are now because of so many buyers have so much information available to them. And what I've noticed is that they come in a lot more knowledgeable, but by the time I get a hold of them, they're a little confused because they see so much information. But in answer to your question, it is when you're starting to think about it, you get this little gut feeling in there saying, okay, it's time. I need to do something. Uh, and that's where you got to just reach out and hopefully you get your, a referral from somebody. Uh, if not, you can look at reviews and things like that. But we know how all those can be done. And us realtors are great at uh, massaging reviews and things like that. So it's best to get a personal referral if you can and sit down and have that initial conversation just to walk through the process and see if it's right. Because a lot of times I've sat down with people and we may be six months, a year, two years down the road before we do anything, but you never know until you sit down and talk to somebody. And I'm to the point now where I meet them where they're at. Uh, I think my office anymore is like at a Panera Bread, it seems like, because that's where we tend to meet people, but it's just about a conversation and then uh, we go through the process and what it entails and see if you're up to it. Yeah, I think it's important to talk to somebody pretty early on because we can guide you in the way that the process needs to work. Yeah. Um, you know, you obviously need to talk to a lender first as well just to see what your price range is, but we'll get to that. Um, so the next question is, how much does it cost to work with a realtor? Um, should I just use a realtor that's selling the house I'm looking to buy? Um, how does that payment work? That's a good question because we're in a state of flux right now. Um, traditionally, a seller is offers an incentive to a buyer's agent to bring a buyer to the property. And more often than not, um, the buyer's agent will take whatever the seller is offering. That's not necessarily everybody's model, but a lot of people will do that. And the inherent part of that is that uh, a buyer might look at it as such that, hey, if I sell a more expensive home, if I sell them a more expensive home, they're going to make more money. And if you think that through a little bit, you know, as, on a percentage basis, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're representing a buyer. But my first role when I sit down with somebody is telling what my duties are. And I have a fiduciary duty as a buyer's agent to look out for the best interest of my buyer. And then we go through how we're compensated. And again, it's rare that a buyer will compensate a buyer's agent directly. I do think that's going to be changing a little bit. Um, you know, a few episodes ago, we've delved into a few of the, uh, class action lawsuits that are going on across the country. I don't think anything's going to come of that for years down the road, but I do think it's going to change the way we do things. But it's going to be really hard to ask a buyer when they're scrounging to get their down payment together to say, on top of that, could you pay me? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I'll, I would show that I'm worth it because I'm probably saving them money in the long run. But in a situation <clears throat> that's going on right now, pretty much a buyer does not pay anything uh, out of their pocket. 
Right. Um, but trust me, the buyer's agents will get paid. And um, if not this transaction, I've done situations where I've represented buyers where they bought for sale by owners that did not offer any compensation. And basically for that transaction, I worked for very little or nothing. But what I did was lay the groundwork for those people to refer me. And in fact, one of my people that I sold it for sale by owner to where I didn't make any money on that transaction, they <laughs> referred, gosh, I can count at least three three different transactions from it. Mm-hmm. So it all comes back. But at the end of the day, that's one of the questions you have when you sit there with a, um, at your first meeting. I use a buyer's agency agreement, and it spells out how I get compensated, whether it's through the buyer, through the buyer's agency, through the seller, uh, through the builder, however it is, we work that out ahead of time. Yeah, and I would add, you know, to the second part of the question about should you use the realtor that's selling the house? You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think it's important to understand representation. So the seller who is selling that home represents the person selling the home, and they have their best interest in heart. So if you're using a realtor that isn't specifically working for you, you might miss out on some things. And you want to definitely have your own representation. Now, there are some instances, right, where, you know, you're listing a house and you also know the buyer and they're, you know, you're all working together to do it. But I think in general, when you're looking to buy and you're starting out in the process, if you don't have a specific home in mind, you should work with your own agent that just represents you. And a little, I guess, inside baseball, when somebody lists a property, a seller lists a property, they are paying that company a fee to market the property. Out of that fee, as of right now, a lot of times you will designate a portion of that to go to whoever brings the buyer. Um, But the seller is responsible for that full fee anyway. So if you think about it a little bit, if a buyer comes in and does not have any representation, that seller's agent gets to keep if they want to, uh, if they had that agreement with the seller, they get to keep the full fee. So they have some incentive of not having another agent there. But at the end of the day, you have no representation. As I say, as a buyer's agent, I have a fiduciary responsibility to you, the buyer. A seller's agent, a listing agent does not. Right. Okay. So our next question is, where is the best place to search for homes? Good question. Um, There are so many ways to search for a home. I always tell people to start with where you're comfortable. But the Bible, where all of the information stems down from, is the multiple listing system. One of the things that I do as a buyer's agent is if you can nail down your parameters, meaning that you tell me which area of town you want to be in, you tell me which school district you want to be in, you tell me your, and I call them the must-haves, um, the number one must have a lot of times has to do with price range. Uh, so we start with that, but I can input all of that into the multiple listing system to where if there's a new listing that matches those parameters, you get emailed, you get dinged on those right away. Now, realtor.com, uh, Redfin, all these have those same information, but it stems down, it trickles down from the multiple listing system. So you'll get it first with the multiple listing system. The thing about ours is that you do not get solicited for all the other ancillary services. (laughs) Um, When you sign up with um, Zillow, uh, you're going to get bombarded with advertisements. You're going to get bombarded with uh, people that can help you in other parts of the transaction. So just be wary of that. And I always tell people, go with where you're comfortable at. Um, but I think the multiple listing system is the best way since it's the source. It is also um, one of those where we put you in what we call a portal where I have access to what you were looking at or you can write notes back to me if you like to about, hey, I like this house or what do you think about this house? And a lot of times with my experience, you know, I can tell them that, you know, are you okay with the freeway being that close Um you know, things like that that are not necessarily in the, in the, you know, real estate remarks section. You know, there's a lot of times I've been through a house. Um, I can let you know that, hey, I've been through that house. And if you don't <laughs> like cats, you better stay away from that house and those kind of things. So before you ask me another one, I just want to remind everybody, this is Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm Paul George. I'm here with Gina today. But uh, 
if you have any questions about home buying, give me a call again. It's Paul George at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Uh, Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. But you can always call me. My direct number is 614-570-2853. And if it's hard to remember, that 2853 spells Beetle, B-T-L-E. Um, so if you remember Paul George, half the Beatles, <laughs> you know, just figure out a way to do that. So, yeah. All right, Gina, hit me with some more. So the next questions are really about lenders. And I think we touched on this in the beginning about, you know, figuring out how much you needed to spend. But um, the question is, how do people figure out the right price range they should look at and what point should they get a pre-approval? A lender needs to be one of the first people you talk to. Um, I would love to talk to you before you talk to a lender, even though you're not hooked into a lender once you use them. But there's people who are especially first time home buyers that are in different situations than somebody who's, you know, selling their big house and they get a huge down payment. I may direct people towards a set of lenders that would best fit your needs. But most lenders are very good at uh, putting you spitting you putting the information and spitting it out and saying Here's what you can afford. And more often than not, it's more than what you want to spend. Um, I can't tell you how many times that people will come to me and say, you know, the lender says we can afford a $500,000 home. And, uh, you know, we talk about their lifestyle and things like that and what the payment brings, what that kind of payment is. And they say that, you know, I still want to go on vacation. Or mm-hmm. it's funny because of um, the same lender will lend the same amount of money to a family of six because they have one income and a single guy with the same income and the family of six is saying there's no way because I've got other expenses. Yeah. Um, but lenders are, we have to work hand in hand with the lenders since they lend the money, they make most of the rules and every situation is different. Um, I can't tell you how many times that, uh, the lender says yes on one person and no on the other. And the things are that I see are the same. When I sit down with the buyer, they can tell me as much information as they want to. I'm not real big on getting into the lending side other than what did they say? Here's the questions to ask. <clears throat> you know, I have a 30-question questionnaire for lenders if they are not comfortable with talking to me about it, but here's the questions you need to ask. It's not always rate. Um, a lot of times it's what are the costs involved with it, and that's where it's very hard in that industry because it's not apples to apples all the time even though, you know, they have origination fees, they have points and things like that, and one may call it one thing, one may call it another. I can help you out with those, but at the end of the day, we got to make sure we're comparing apples to apples. And if you see something that's very different, meaning that one's offering a rate that's 1% less than the others, uh, run, because there's some right. other costs involved in that. So. Well, and I would say, too, um, you know, asking your realtor for lender recommendations is a good idea because a lot of times they're, you know, especially for first time home buyers, there are a lot of programs out there that could help with down payment assistance um, and other things that we know the lenders that, you know, can work really well with the first time home buyers or that work really well with other types of buyers. So I think sometimes it's really good to, you know, ask your realtor. We can give you some recommendations. Um when you're selecting the lender, obviously there's going to be, you know, a variety that you can look for. But one of the other things I'll say, and it, I think it goes into the spring market that we're going into as realtors, when we get an offer on a listing we have and we look at the lender, we know whether or not this is going to be a struggle to work with this lender. So we can kind of guide you in the right direction so that you don't have that happen in a multiple offer situation where it's like apples to apples, but you know, the lenders aren't the same. That's a a very good point because we are in that market. Um, you know, years ago when the houses were on the market, an average of a hundred days, didn't matter who the lender was. We're just desperate to get an offer and we'll say great. But now that it's imperative that you have, um, good lenders because of your, you're, you're throwing out some other offers. If you get multiple offers and you don't want to get it messed up, if you don't have the right lender, Lenders are getting very good. They, a buyer's agent um, who has a lender for their buyer, I've been called as a listing agent from that lender many a times to, you know, you can read only so much on a piece of paper. If whatever a lender is allowed to tell me, a lot of times I love that reassurance because I'll call them and say, okay, I see the pre-approval. How are they? And they say they're like gold. Uh, if they say something like that, that's going to put them to the top of the list. And a good lender will do that. 
other lenders, you know, there's some lenders that don't work on weekends. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you can't get a hold of them. What good are you? Mm-hmm. Because we're in a time crunch situation. So anyway, it's very important. And that's why we like to recommend lenders. Usually not just one. We'll give you a list to do and you can compare them. And there's a ton of lenders out there. So just try to listen to us if you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So another question that I get a lot is, you know, what is the typical amount of homes that a buyer looks at before making an offer? Very good question because of there isn't a typical amount. There's people who just love to look at homes. I hate to say <laughs> it that way. Um, there are. There and, are. And there's others that this is going to be a long-winded answer, but if somebody tells me exactly what they want to do, I need four bedrooms, I need two and a half baths, I need in Worthington schools, and this is my price range, the first thing we're going to do is look at the very best one that fits all your parameters. So a lot of times we will look at one house and they'll say, that's it. And then they say, okay, we better look at some others before we make this decision. Right. The caveat to that is we are in a competitive market to where (laughs) we may not have time. Uh, We're also in a low inventory market where that may be the only one. Mm -hmm. When interest rates were 3%, people were, okay, I'm going to take a flyer and buy this home. Whereas right now they're not quite as, I got to buy this one because I think something better is coming up. So. Anyway, we're getting close to the break, so when we come back, we are going to go through some more questions, and we're going to let Gina pepper me some more. We'll be right back. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I am your host, Paul George, and we are talking today about Home Buying 101. I'm here with Gina, Gina Cribb, my assistant, and she's we're going over some of the questions that buyers ask us all the time. Hey, before we get back to the topic, I wanted to tell you about some upcoming shows uh, and some of the future topics that we're going to be we're going to be talking about. Um, we're going to be talking about builders, um, talking to builders that specialize in building on your own lot. Um, we're going to talk about talk to builders who specialize in the empty nester type homes. That seems to be a, a big role in my age because I'm getting a lot of my friends who are saying <laughs> I need to size down what's available to me. Um, we're also going to be talking to government officials who will be advocating for home ownership. Um, and trying to address some of the issues, the challenges that we have here in Columbus. Uh, I've talked this until no end, and we have so much uh, expansion coming here in Columbus. The only thing that can slow us down is housing. Um, I won't say the only thing, but that's the biggest challenge that we have right now. We've been talking about the housing shortage, and people don't understand what that means, but uh, if you're going to start buying a house and you can't afford it or you can't find it, that's what we're going to be talking about, where you've got a lot of people lined up that are going to see what they can do to address that. Um, we're also going to be talking to some different uh, suburban economic directors. Uh, we're going to be talking to somebody from Delaware, from Whitehall, uh, from Hilliard, from Grove City, and they're going to be telling us what they're doing to attract businesses as well as what they're doing to attract families to their downtown and basically try to build a sense of community when you've got a new influx of people coming in um they don't have a community yet and what i see a lot of these areas doing and even you know the short north even you know places within urban columbus they're trying to build a sense of community and we're going to talk about how they're doing that um i think it's something that's really interesting a nice dynamic that we are recognizing in their understanding um, we're also going to have a show dedicated totally to Intel and the project uh, that's going on down there. Um, we're going to be talking to some stagers and uh, interior designers to kind of go through what are some of the trends are in your homes right now. And, you know, there's just a lot of interesting things. So, like I say, if you like some of the topics or if you have a suggested topic, shoot me an idea of something we can talk about because I can always find experts that can come on and kind of uh, regale us with what they think is happening here in Columbus. And the feedback I'm getting from all of you is that you're liking what we're talking about. Uh, Now we just got to spread the word a little bit more. 
Yeah. So tell everybody, listen to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Right? There you go. And again, pass it along. It's very easy to do. You guys are getting awful smart on how to uh, share the episodes. So, all right, Gina, let's get back to some of the uh, home inspection, home inspection, home buying, uh, home buying <laughs> questions. And I know home inspections are part of that. It's coming up. So. It's coming up. But first, let's talk about offers. Um, so what does writing an offer entail and how do we know how much to offer on a house? Well, that's easy. Um, <laughs> you offer what you think the seller is willing to pay and what you're comfortable with paying. Um, that's, that is 2024 <laughs> in years past. It was okay. Let's look at comparable sales and see how that compares. Um, the problem with that is, is that that is a backward looking situation. And when you look backwards, you're looking at what's happened in the history. And I've told you about the statistics of what's happening. Prices are rising in Columbus. Um, although they're flattening, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. One of the first things I do before I write an offer is I call the listing agent. The listing agent represents the seller. And I said, what does the seller need? What would make them happy? Um, you still have the right to offer whatever you want to. But sometimes the terms have to do with more than just money, meaning that the seller, hey, they're building a house. They can't be out of here for 60 days. Can you accommodate that? Um, the seller has had two offers on the house and they fell apart and they were awful cringy because of they found something little on a home inspection. Um, a seller says, you know what, I don't want to take my house off the market unless you show some good faith. So. I want to see a non-refundable deposit. Um, the way we we put all that into a bag and we put it on a, we use the Columbus Bar Association contract. And the reason we do that is lenders recognize that as, okay, you've got everything in there that we're looking for. And then we fill in the blanks of the extras, the things like the days on market, or excuse me, the days of possession, what's included with the house and things like that. So it's, again, that's where you count on, Paul George Group to use our experience and leverage our relationships with the other agents to kind of give us that information. So you can only tell yeah. so much from Zillow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so the next question is really going into earnest money. So once you make that offer and, you know, it's been accepted or, you know, go back and forth a little bit, once you actually are have an accepted contract, um, there's earnest money involved. So, do you want to explain how much that is? Um, when do you pay it? And when do you get it back? When you're making an offer, the seller will look at the package that you're offering. One of the packages is, is that how serious are you about this? And a lot of times you'll have a pre-approval saying, yes, we can afford to buy it. But another might be earnest money. Earnest money is basically some good faith money. You're telling the seller that, hey, we're willing to put this up to show you in good faith that we want to purchase this property. It is a fill-in-the-blank on the contract. That fill-in-the-blank can be zero. But if you're a seller and you're looking at somebody who's not willing to put up anything as good faith, um, you're saying, okay, how serious are you? You have nothing to lose in this. Now, earnest money is kind of complicated. It's the buyer's money all the time. Um, the buyer's has to put that money up, and we have to either put it into a trust account or we forward it to the trend now is going to the title company that's going to be handling the funds and that type of thing. Um, the only way you can really lose that is if there's a dispute between you and the seller. And that means one of you didn't fulfill your obligations of the contract. It's rare that somebody loses earnest money. Um, 99% of the time that money is used as part of your down payment of the funds you need to bring to closing. And again, the more that is, the more serious you seem to look. In Columbus area, for lack of better words, we get away with a low earnest money deposit here, meaning that in other parts of the country, they'll put 10% down. So if you're buying a $500,000 house, you'll put 50000 in earnest money. Here you might put five. Um, one of the trends we're seeing because of the market the way it is, if you have multiple offers, I've seen buyers uh, offer non-refundable deposits. They want the house so bad, it doesn't matter what the inspection says, it doesn't matter what the financing happens, you put that money up, you're going to lose that money. That's how confident buyers are. That makes a statement when you're making an offer. Um, sellers sometimes will demand that. Um, I had a situation where 
a buyer um, was doing this and they said, unless you put up a non-refundable deposit, uh, we don't want to proceed with you guys. Anybody can do that. It is, it's a situation where, um, you know, you got to get a feel for the transaction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, again, I just want to remind you again, this is Paul George, Paul George Real Estate Show, and we are here talking home buying 101. And again, if you have questions about home buying, uh, contact the Paul George group. You look up halfthebeatles.com or paulgeorgerealestategroup.com. Find us there, or you can always email me at paul at paulgeorgerealestate. So so the only thing I'll add to that, because I think one of the questions was when it happens. Um, so generally, once the offer is accepted, earnest money is due within, what's your time frame? One day, two days, three days. Um, a lot of times I'll put 72 hours. That mm-hmm. seems to be a standard situation, but there's no such thing as standard, but... <laughs> People want to see, you can't do a whole lot within 72 hours, but the sooner you put it in, the more comfort the seller has that, okay, these guys are serious about it. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to inspections. Um, What happens when an inspector finds an issue in an inspection? Most of the contracts, uh, every contract I write will be contingent upon an inspection. If a buyer wants to waive an inspection, I have them sign a waiver Mm -hmm. because I strongly believe in inspections. Uh, now, what was your question again? <laughs> My so, question is, what happens if you find an issue? You will always find an issue. The definition of an issue is different between a buyer and a seller. Um, but the way it typically reads is that um, you do a home inspection. The home inspector will come up with 10 items. Um, they'll come up with 10 items that need addressed. They'll come up with 20 items that need to monitor. They'll be. Um, that's usually the situation. What can you live with? What can you fix? What can you do? But what you have the right to do, you have two things you can do. You can go back to the seller and ask him to fix it, and basically it becomes a negotiation again. Okay, I want you to fix this, this, and this, and they'll say, no, we'll fix this. And if you can live with that, great. Um, you can also say, you know what? We found these 10 things we want compensated. Um, my philosophy is, this is my personal philosophy, is a lot of times I look for compensation, whether it's through a credit, uh, whether it's through something that's negotiated because of my thought process behind that is if you ask seller to sick, fix something, they're going to fix it as cheaply as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to do it kind of just to put a Band-Aid on it, just to satisfy the minimum requirement. A buyer's going to do it in a whole different way. You may not, you're not going to get fully compensated for what <clears throat> needs to be done, um, but you'll have peace of mind knowing that somebody you hire is going to be doing the work. The other part of a home inspection is if it's absolutely something you cannot agree on, you cannot live with, it is written in the contract, you have the right to walk away and you get your earnest money back and basically nobody's nobody's happy. And a lot of times uh, that situation comes up when there's an agreement to a disagreement, I guess to say. And it's usually a major item like, hey, we want a new roof, it's leaking, or the furnace is broken, we want it new. And the seller says, I'll just fix it. And... That comes up more often, but you have options when you do a home inspection. Yeah. Um, and I'll, one of the next questions I was going to ask, which you kind of already answered was, how do you know things were done correctly and that the fixes that the seller agrees to are done? Um, I mean, a lot of times, I guess we look at, we do a walkthrough again, or you can look for receipts from the contractor and make sure that those things were done. Is there anything else that you do? Yeah, and if you write it correctly and you request a remedy is what we call it when we ask them to fix things. We say we want it done by a professional Mm -hmm. or a licensed electrician or a licensed, because a lot of times people are their own handyman. Mm -hmm. You know, I can fix the furnace myself. (laughs) No, you can't. Um, (laughs) But most contracts, you do a final walkthrough, and at that final walkthrough, we either look for receipts or we actually do a visual of it. So that's how we do it. Okay, so moving along the sale process, um, let's talk about appraisals. What happens if a house doesn't appraise for the agreed-upon price or appraises under, I guess you would say? Well, the contract has written into it that um, you can go back and renegotiate. You're not obligated to sell. You're not obligated to buy. But most of the time, people get that close. Uh, They can either renegotiate or ask for an amended appraisal if they can come up with better comps and things like that. Um, 
in the situation now where we have rising prices and people are paying more than asking, the sellers will usually ask the buyer to shoulder that burden, meaning that if you're willing to pay more than what we thought it was worth and it doesn't appraise, you need to come up with that difference. You need to prove that that happens. That's a kind of a confusing thing. It's called appraisal gap um, if there's an appraisal, but you have rights if it doesn't appraise and you haven't written anything in and the seller accepted that contingency in the contract and that's pre-printed in there. So, Yeah, and it's kind of a complicated time because a lot of times that appraisal doesn't happen until like, what, a week before closing. So yeah. everybody is very invested at that point and nobody wants to walk away because you're so close to the end. Um, so definitely good to have a realtor involved because things like that do happen and we can talk you through the right way to handle it. And again, a well-written contract or a real well-written counteroffer will state that the appraisal needs to be done within two days after an inspection or something like that. So yeah. do what you can on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about the whole process from making an offer to closing. What is that timeline typically for a buyer and when can they move in? Well, a lot of times it's dictated by the lender. Um, I've seen if there's no lender involved, you can close and move within seven days. And that's rare to do, but that's just to get the title work done and get those kind of things done. Uh, generally, a, a lender needs, I'll say 30 days. And they say, hey, we can do this in 21 days or we can do it in nine days. But as a general rule, I'd say 30 days. Before that, when you write the offer, you're negotiating actually when you take possession of the property. And possession is a big deal here in Columbus, Ohio, in that we don't always get possession when we pay the money, uh, as you do in other states. Um, it's negotiated up front. There's a lot of things that have to go into protecting everybody's uh, interests after the possession, uh, but it's all negotiated up front. But as a general rule, I'd say 30 to 45 days is where you're looking at. So if you have to plan for uh, leases, you have to plan for movers, you have to plan for this and that. That's what I would use, but you can extend it out to 60. It's whatever the buyers and sellers agree to. Now, lenders will not allow anybody to, uh, if you're doing it as a um, owner-occupant, you need to be in the house no less than 60 days before, after closing, I should say. If not, they treat it as an investment loan. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind, too. Yep. So we're getting close to the end, and... I guess the end of the segment, not yeah. the end. So. We still have a couple more questions we might get to. <laughs> oh, my goodness. we got a bunch of questions yet. Again, we are just touching the surface on this. I have a whole packet of items that we go through, and that last, that first meeting is, for lack of better words, it's a little bit of a grind, and it's not to get you an expert in all this. I just want you to be exposed to it. So by the time you do get to make an offer, you're going to be educated and say, oh, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, and those are the kind of things we'll sit and talk about before we go out and look at houses. But once we do, you're going to be prepared because things can go very, very fast. So we'll be right back with a few more questions. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise in ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Submit your questions for the show to paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. And again, I'm here with Gina and we're doing Home Buying 101. Um, we're just going through a lot of general questions about uh, purchasing a home. We are on my last segment, and every last segment I'd like to give a home buyer or home seller a tip of the week. And 
this one today is one that is has to do with the time of year we're in. We're in the winter time, and in the winter, houses are dry, basically. Um, what that means is there's not a whole lot of moisture in the air. And one of the biggest things that the trends in homes these days are hardwood surfaces or hard surfaces. And in the winter, they need some moisture. And if you do not have, if you have a lot of hardwood in your house or a lot of just plain wood in your house, you know, there's so much wood anymore. There's wood beams, there's shiplap, there's everything. Um, if you've got a lot of that, it's a good idea to talk to your HVAC guy and see if you have a humidifier on your furnace, which actually puts a little bit of moisture in there and that'll keep the wood from, you know, contracting and splitting and things like that. So talk to somebody about that. Um, again, it's just a tip and a lot of people have lived without it forever, but some people, especially the newer ones, you might want to look at making sure you can get some moisture back in the air. So we are back with Gina, and Gina's going to ask me a few more questions about home buying. And again, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's tons of questions that buyers will need to ask or things that need to come up. And trust me, in 33 years, I've been through <laughs> a lot of them. So there's a good all. chance I know a lot of them. So, <laughs> All right, all back right. to some of the questions. So we'll talk about the closing process. Um, so first off, who's there? Who's there? That's uh, First of all, before you get to a closing, here in Ohio, traditionally we have what's called roundtable closings. Roundtable closings are where the buyers and sellers sit across from each other and sign the paperwork and the buyer sends the money over. Since COVID, that's pretty much gone out the window. Yeah, this <laughs> so. doesn't really happen much anymore. Before you get to a closing, your lender and title company is going to be sending you, they have to send you three days before closing they have to send you your final numbers and you're going to go over those and make sure you're going to sign off and say, Hey, this is what we agreed to. So you will know ahead of time when you get that, you're going to get the number. Okay. I need to bring $12,000 to closing. The only way to bring that to closing anymore, if it's over 10,000, I think it is, you have to wire those funds to the title company. The number one bugaboo in our industry right now is scams phishing scams. And before you ever wire anything, you need to talk to somebody verbally and confirm, confirm, confirm where you're wiring that money to. I don't care how good the email looks, how secure it looks, uh, talking to somebody, verify, verify, verify. Anyway. And I'll add to that. Look up the title company's number online or from record. Don't, if you get an email that says, here's your wiring instructions, call us with questions. Scammers will put their own phone numbers in there. So you're calling a scammer to verify that it's not a scammer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It, it, again, it's a big thing within our industry. I don't see it happen very often, but when it does, you don't want to be the one that it happens yeah. to because mm-hmm. that money goes into thin air. Um, so you get to that and you go to the closing. Closing will take what you're doing as a buyer is you're signing 90% of it to the lender's paperwork to secure the loan. And it takes about an hour. The seller has probably already pre-signed. They're not um, date sensitive like the buyer's portion is. So you sit there and sign your paperwork, and a lot of times you don't get the keys at closing. It's very anticlimactic. Um, <laughs> honestly, I just sit there and kind of twiddle my thumbs. And I, not that I'm not interested. I've we've already done the work. It's been done. It's just now you get to sign. Uh, I'm excited for you, but at the end of the day, don't think that I'm not doing anything because it's all been done ahead of time. A lot of times we have to make adjustments to the HUD statement, things like that beforehand that the title company may not have picked up or whatever, but it takes about an hour. Um, and now since the seller isn't there, it really doesn't take that long. But a lot of times you sit there and talk a little bit. If you do get keys, you get keys. You make sure the utilities are put in your name. Uh, make sure your insurance is put in your name at the time. Uh, but really it's just like, people get done and go that's it and that's tough so it's tough on me because yeah. that is it and it's like gosh <laughs> on, now what i know especially when they don't get possession it's just not yeah. all that exciting because you're not running home to go and check out your new house but times change things change one thing i do want to go through because we're getting close on time here is that if you're a first-time home buyer give me a call because if there is a lot of uh, first time home buyer programs that can help you out with, um, down payments. 
there's a lot of down payment assistance out there. And uh, the Ohio Housing Finance Authority, OFA, Ohio Financing Housing Authority, OFA, they have three, four, five programs. But you can pretty much get your 3%, 5% down payment made for you if you qualify. And there's a lot of parameters that do it, a lot of its income. Uh, they're not necessarily um, uh, specific to an area, but some of them are. Um, they do have hitches to them, like you have to stay in the home for seven years. If not, you have to pay it back. Um, you can go out, if you want rural areas, there's a USDA loan that doesn't have any money down. It's an FHA loan. So there's a lot of things available. Make sure you give me a call so I can tell you what those are, um, see which ones you qualify for. So back to, you got one more question, I guess. We'll do one quick question. Um, what about somebody who wants to build? They want to buy some land and build. Can they do that? Sure they can. Uh, it's a little more complicated. There's usually two processes involved. And the process is, one, you have to buy the land. Um, and that is very tough to get a loan on land alone. You have to have 20 30% down, or you just buy the land outright. And then you have to get a separate loan, a construction loan. A lot of times you can do what they call a construction perm loan, which is you take out the loan before the house is built, and then the builder can come and take their three, four, five draws that they have with that. There's a process for that, but it certainly can be done, but you can't do that with no money down. So, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's a, definitely a process you want to have a realtor involved in, and we can yep. help you with that if you give us a call. Well, like I said, we just touched on this. If you are a first-time home buyer or any home buyer, uh, you need to get some consultation. It doesn't cost you anything. So give us a call. Again, Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. My number again, my, this is my personal number. You can call at 614-570-2853. Uh, we are always available. I'm very good about uh, sending a text back or setting up a time. And, you know, we'll see you next week. Thanks. This has been the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Paul George Real Estate Show. And follow Paul online at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com